Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the second podcast back from our hiatus, the second podcast for 2023. I hope you are enjoying the new year. I hope you spent some nice time with your family during the holiday period and you're back into enjoying the podcasts. Uh, today we are talking about, it's a very dramatic title, isn't it? The, de the decline of men. <laughs> Maybe we should call my, it something else, but. My friends are going to rip me for this, just the title alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was Eliza's idea. This a lot of people are probably going to think, oh, of course, Neil's going to want to talk about this, but no, this uh, you messaged me a couple of weeks ago, uh, sent me an article about how boys are falling behind in school and men in general just don't seem to be doing particularly well on average, and uh, suggested we do a podcast on this. And I wanted to ask at the at the top just before we get to the sponsors. Does this have anything to do with you having a male baby? Well, my dad sent me this article in an email saying for Remy <laughs> and I was reading it and just eye rolling the whole time. But then I read it again. I was like, there's some interesting things in here. Um, so okay. yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into the article first. And before we do that, just a quick word from our sponsors. You can skip to the three minute mark if you'd like to skip through them. But that's how we... Uh, continue this podcast. So it would be greatly appreciated if you listen. We're sponsored by Steady Freddy. Steady Freddy have a huge range of men's sexual health products. In fact, what an appropriate sponsor for this podcast. And men's testosterone levels have been declining for decades. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. And Steady Freddy have Ball Boost Tablets, a multivitamin for men, 10 evidence-backed ingredients jam-packed into one tablet to help enhance libido and sexual function, increase muscle endurance and stamina, support sperm health and production. So get yourself some Ball Boost Tablets if you're feeling a bit lethargic, feeling like you want to boost that testosterone. They also have condoms. They have their patented delay spray. And go to the website, steadyfreddy.com. Use the code SEXCELLS. You get 15% off, of course. Read all the in ingredients and use only as directed. If you do have any underlying health conditions, consult your doctor first. We're also sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush Organics, huge range of CBD oil products. I've been munching on those gummies and they've been great. Great for sleep, great for relaxation, and what a stressful time it is. Everyone's home loans are going up, inflation's up. I'm sure it was a stressful Christmas for some people. Well, Crush Organics slightly decreases that stress. So get yourself <laughs> some CBD oil, uh, crushorganics.com. Use the code NEIL on that one. You'll get 40% off. And if you'd like to come see a comedy show, go to comedyuntamed.com. There's weekly shows in Sydney, weekly in Melbourne, and monthly in Newcastle. All right. That was actually the three-minute 30 mark, so I apologize. I'm getting used to this new uh, format. Let's see how long these uh, sponsors take. So we might have to adjust that little time period. <laughs> yeah, I'm used to so, finishing. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, let's, uh, let's get into male the decline of men. Okay. <laughs> so uh, what... Did you read in this article that spoke to you? I'm going to bring up the article so, as well. 
Yeah, that's that's probably a good a good idea. But basically, the article was saying that it it uh highlighted that in the recent HSC in New South Wales, women or girls outperformed boys in almost every single subject. Um, and then it talked about the rate. I think it talked about the rate of university um enrollments being like four women or six women. Um, every four men apply to every six women, that makes sense, um, for university and further education. So it was talking about all these um, things. And then it kind of brings in a nice twist at the end, which I did enjoy, about how this could come down to the perception of masculinity in young boys, but also highlighted learning differences, maturity between girls and boys. Um, it was just the first half of the article basically makes it seem like it frames it like almost like a clickbait, like women are now more advantaged than men um, and men are declining rapidly. But I mean, the stats are the, the stats in the article. So mm. it's interesting. And I think they've raised some good points. Some I don't always agree with, but yeah. What did you, what did you reckon? So the title is, is... The Sydney Morning Herald. Yes. Yeah, so Sydney Morning Herald, yeah. uh, male decline is real and it's a problem for women too. And the first paragraph, it's become a sort of rueful joke among men of my acquaintance to lament the fact that white men are now the disadvantaged ones. After all, we are constantly being told that the future is female. And as Scott Morrison famously told an International Women's Day breakfast in 2019, we want to see women rise, but we don't want to see women rise only on the basis of others doing worse. And then it goes on to detail some of the, or some of the, measures uh, through which men are declining at a rate that is far more pronounced than, than women who are actually doing extremely well, particularly education, particularly higher education. And I think a lot of this just comes down to a general cultural ethos that seems to be permeating, particularly on social media, about uh, male decline, but also about, like this article says, how the future is female and things like that. And Funnily enough, it was really interesting when you sent me this article because if anyone watches my YouTube channel, they would know I made a whole video essay on this during our break. Oh, so why didn't you tell me this before? I, was, I wanted I to keep it. it a surprise. And <laughs> oh, I yeah. did a 40-minute uh, oh deep God. dive into some of these and I also hypothesized how this may... Uh, change male culture in the coming decades and even generations and the first part of the video is yeah it's all about these sorts of things so the first two books that i would recommend anyone read on this is christina hoff summers who's a well-known uh well she she she's a feminist but i suppose she's a heterodox feminist in that she has often talked about some of the ways that modern feminism has had the unintended consequence. I don't think she tries to assume that feminism has deliberately tried to bring men down, but some of the policies enacted in education uh, have had the unintended consequence of hurting men and their educational performance. She goes into a lot of details about the statistics of how boys don't do well under some of the conditions that actually are better for girls. So it's certainly a trade-off. And then there's another boy, uh, another book recently released by a man called Richard Reeves, and it's called Of Boys and Men. In fact, there was a good interview he did. Uh, it's on YouTube. 
So if you want to just get a taste of that, I'm pretty sure that's Richard Reeves of Boys and Men, Christina Hoff Summers. Christina Hoff Summers' book was actually written in the early 2000s. So she's been on this topic for quite a long time. And her book is called The War Against Boys. So yeah, it's it's a little bit more dramatic. Uh, The Richard Reeves one is probably a good middle ground to begin with. And... He talks about how there's a lot of there's just a lot of men not participating in the labor force now. A lot of men touching on what we we've talked about in previous podcasts are sort of giving up and have a general sense of despondency about the modern world and think there's no place for them. And there's well, there's a lot of mental health issues among everyone. There's a lot of anxiety and depression among young girls. But then when we get uh, into twenties and then later on in life there's a huge increase in suicide and deaths of despair among men particularly working class white men and a lot of that is systemic in the sense that jobs have been shipped off and the the guaranteed comfortable working class life in western countries is just not guaranteed anymore because someone could have uh, joined manufacturing 10 15 20 years ago their job's gone they don't have any skills to do anything else they've been given oxycontin by their american doctor and they've slowly gotten addicted to what is essentially heroin i think Mm -hmm. and now they're an addict i mean there's a lot of things working again this isn't just for for, this isn't just for men but it was men who were mostly hit the hardest with a lot of those manufacturing job losses and automation and the professions of the future are generally in fields that women do have an advantage in. Care professions, you know, professions that something like what you were in, what my girlfriend's is in psychology. I don't think women have necessarily just have a biological advantage, although some would say they do, but culturally there's just so many more women moving into these fields uh, as opposed to men. And women are actually out earning men up to a certain age. I think it's um, mid-30s now where women are actually making more money than men. And really, it's just the billionaire class that is still maintaining the uh, lopsided wage or income statistics. And there's just a cohort of uh, very wealthy people who are predominantly men that seem to like move those statistics one way. But if you look at the average woman, and just look on an anecdotal level, the average woman in a cosmopolitan place like Sydney, at my age, I'm 28, seems to be doing relatively well, seems to have a good job, is uh, in touch with the, you know, the, the need for self-care, for wellness, uh, just seems to be doing quite well. And I'm obviously not everyone, but you look at a lot of men who just, it's not necessarily that they're completely depressed or completely struggling, but there's a sense of nihilism. They just don't know what the world is going to look like for them. They don't know what their place is. In the world, it was previously very straightforward. You finished high school, you got a job or you moved into higher education, you you married someone and generally, even even after uh, the 60s, the man would still be the, the breadwinner and that was your role. You provided the funds for your family. You took care of them in that way and the mother took care of them in a maternal way and... Uh, Things were simple, um, but also unfair. And now that that has changed, a lot of uh, uh, male culture also hasn't necessarily adapted to that. Uh, similar to what you might have touched on in the last podcast, a lot of guys just 
aren't that good at doing things other than what they're paid to do in their job. And I think that should definitely change. But I also, I, I just think this is a very uh, complex problem. And there are so many factors at play. And I also think as you move up the, the class and income ladder, the advantages, the, well, definitely the economic advantages men possess over women become further exacerbated. So on a, uh, in, 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 in the, you know, the, the lowest two quintiles of, of income, I'm not saying there aren't any cultural or uh, other advantages men may have, but economically, it's, it's minimal, if, if anything. Last time I read the statistics, it's very hard to get these statistics exactly. But then as you move into, I suppose, the wealth class or the, the billionaire class, yeah, the uh, economic disparity there and then as a result, the, the power disparity there is major and and most of the people making political decisions most of the people promulgating this ethos of uh men still controlling everything are people in that in that strata of society it's uh elite politicians elite business people it's people who are usually just situated amongst the most elite men and as a result they may have a skewed view of what life is actually like for the average man and there's been a lot of noise on that, at least from the pages I follow on social media about how there is a very skewed view of, uh, you know, men, these things like men in power. And look, look, most of the powerful positions in society are still occupied by men. That's still a very small cohort uh, of, of men that seemingly control all the major decisions within business and society. Compare that to the average man, compare that to uh, younger men in 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 Gen Y and Gen, Gen Z, the situation is notably different. And that's another big part of it. Um, I think the, the education statistics are, are, are really a point that I'm, that's making people uh, raise their eyebrows. Uh, they say that by 2030, they think that women will outnumber men in higher, higher learning two to one. So 66% of uh, university students will be female. And, and a lot of this is men just not wanting to go to university. Uh, it's not necessarily that they, it, it's, it's unobtainable for them or anything, but uh, I haven't looked into exactly why that may be. My guess is that a lot are just opting to do a trade. And that might be a more enjoyable profession for them. In, in a country like Australia, you can make good money doing a trade. And, and if anything, there's much more insecure work now um, in a few white-collar professions. So it could just be that just choosing not to go to uni. Uh, but then there is also a decline in academic performance among boys. Um, the HSE, yeah, most of the uh, boys just in general aren't doing as well as girls. I can't remember if... I think when it came to the the top achievers, it was actually still relatively 50-50 or if anything, boys might have still made up most of the most elite achievers. But in in general, the performance of boys is, is a lot less than that of girls. And then, of course, yeah, there's these um, lifestyle and cultural and hormonal factors where men's testosterone is, is declining rapidly, the sperm counts, 
And testosterone does uh, improve your mood. It, it improves your mental health. Uh, you're less likely to suffer from depression. And, and you know, this is a I, I I think I remember reading this. So, but I cannot guarantee this one. But I think there is a correlation between lower testosterone and likelihood of experiencing depression. So, uh, that's partly sedentary lifestyle, but also testosterone is very much linked to status and men as a class are losing their status. And when you bring these issues up, it's very hard for, uh, people to not get defensive because you, a lot of people immediately think, oh, so you're just saying we go back to the fifties and I want to make it very clear. I'm not saying that. In fact, I don't think that's even possible anymore because women are doing so well in, in their careers and the next crop of elite politicians will likely be women in Australia. Already in Europe, there's a lot of female presidents and prime ministers and uh, I think it's just a matter of time before women actually dominate politics. I think that is actually more suited to, to women in some respects and I think women uh, are probably... Um, uh, in it, I'm guessing they're just going to be better at it. Uh, law is already female dominated and it's happened very quickly. It was the eighties when I think there was something like 10 or 20% of female lawyers. And then this might've been in America. And now in Australia, I think it just tipped over to 50% or it is about to tip over to 50%. And so it's a profession definitely dominated by women. And then, like I said, the care professions, uh, and as we move towards an aging population, there's going to be a big demand for more of the care professions. And we're just sort of exploring uh, a very complicated subject like mental health. And there's going to be a demand for those sorts of uh, professions and people who have expertise in those fields. And those are generally women. <laughs> and a lot of jobs that are likely to be um, lost out to AI and robotics and, and tech are actually dominated by men in many respects. So if driverless cars ever come to fruition, which I, I firmly believe they will, and it's not that long till they do, well, the driving industry is completely dominated by men. And so these are a bunch of men who's gonna, who are going to lose their jobs. And these are, you know, more often than not working class men. And uh, in many cases, the main breadwinner for their family you know, if you've been a, a driver or a trucker your whole life, it's very hard to just suddenly transition into a different profession. So uh, this is, yeah, it is actually a big problem from everything I've read. I'm likely quite biased uh, on this issue because it's something I have been quite passionate about. And like I said, I don't want to make this into some kind of competition. I would never try to do that. I, I don't, that's never my intention um, and that seems to be what it divulges into, particularly on social media, which is just a terrible platform for these sorts of long form nuanced discussions anyway. Um, so again, I want to make that very clear. I'm not trying to suggest that we revert back to, uh, the 1950s or that, you know, women should feel guilty or something for this uh, lack of male performance but uh, some of the cultural things that seem to have permeated in more recently this kind of men are trash culture 
I think things like that need to change. I don't see how that's helpful to, to the situation mm -hmm. or to anyone really. I think that's just kind of childish and people should stop. I mean, look, you can make jokes. I, I'm a comedian. Obviously, you're going to make jokes and usually women make a lot of jokes about men and men make a lot of jokes about women. And if it's all done in jest or even if it's done out of some minor level of frustration, that's usually quite funny. But if it's coming from a genuine place of malice and resentment and you're putting out this men are trash energy, I don't, I don't think that's particularly ethical. And I think that is something that maybe can, well, I think should change. Uh, but that's a very brief summary of uh, what I learned reading on the, this topic. Another really good book was The Male Brain. I only just listened to that on Audible and it's by, uh, what's her name? Luann Brizendine or something like that. And she just talks about how, uh, uh, funnily enough, the catalyst was she has, a, I think, a, a young son or a teenage son. And she did a lot of research into how the male brain is different to the female brain. I mean, even something saying something like that is now, it's a moral minefield to say how the male brain is different to the female brain, but on average, it, it definitely is. And another good book is um, Testosterone by Carol Hooven, but the male brain book goes into, it, it talks about quite a few studies that really show how much, I, I, I suppose, status and, and just what is often referred to as, uh, you know, to toxic behavioral, uh, ideas that men have picked up from culture are actually quite ingrained into the male psyche and are more biological than they are cultural. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, that's not to say that that's any sort of excuse for, uh, unethical behavior, but there is a biological component to male behavior. And I think it's pretty foolish when mainstream, uh, mainstream culture and, and, even sociology assumes that everything is a social construct and the only reason men act differently to women is because they've been culturally uh, programmed to act that way. That's definitely a component, but I, the more I read on this, the more it seems to be that you know, a lot of this is actually physiological. But that's a sort of loose and messy uh, initial introduction to what I've recently learned on this subject and what I've read. Uh, did, did anything there um, pique your interest or oh, curiosity? Yeah, so much, like everything. <laughs> so it's really, it's a sensitive topic, I think. And it's a really complicated one, like you're saying, it's really complex. Um, and when I was researching it, you know, as a woman researching this, the impact on men, I found myself flip-flopping so much between being for against for against there's so many things i rolled my eyes at especially when that article was saying white men are now more disadvantaged demographic etc but then you know looking at information i was like i have to be a bit more neutral about this so i went and read all the studies and all the stats that have come out in just the last year because that's been such a fundamental year for change for women and men um the education that's kind of been inclining over the last couple of years but still um what i think is like the most important thing to make and this is just my opinion but I don't feel that men declining in education and things like that is necessarily because of women um it, I don't think that the rise of feminism is causing the fall of men I think they are 
they aren't mutually exclusive. So we can't blame um, anything that's happening to men just on women alone and them getting more rights and equality. So I think that that's important to differentiate between. Um, that being said, the men, in, the men is trash movement, I think is a really good point to make. Um, and it's important to rise, like, you know, bring up that that was a really huge movement that happened on social media in the last year. Um, and I agree that it's not really, in some way, it was helpful to the women. It was like, actually, it was helpful to the women's movement because people were screaming so loud and saying it so loud that it felt like society was listening more to the needs of women. There are more needs of conversations around consent and education and pay gap and things like that, um, which which did occur, I found. So in some ways there were benefits, but it shouldn't be benefits off the back of putting down an entire agenda. Yeah. Um, you can speak about our issues and issues that we have without saying, therefore, do this to men or do this to that. We could be like, this needs to be in schools. This needs to, this education needs to roll out. Here's how we can engage young boys. Like more positive thinking, I think, is what's going to make the biggest influence going forward long term. And that's the change that I think that needs to have be made rather than this pitting against each other that I keep seeing, especially with, with young people. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's really disheartening to see certain trends on social media where stitch after stitch, a man and a woman are trying to compete with each other as yeah. to who has it worst. I mean, it's, do you really yeah. want to win that battle anyway? Yeah. <laughs> what are you, you yeah. going to get and out I, of that? I actually found that you, we swung so far to the to one side with that about, you know, hating on men that it almost like the world brought it back into balance in another way by all these other people then speaking up about how feminism is bad rather than just kind of teetering on the balance or being equal you know everything it's just a pendulum sure. going back and forth um like for example um sorry you you go oh no you finish your point then i was just going to say something about the well, education but my um my friends posted an instagram story thing question um and someone was asking her views on feminism and she was saying that you know kind of like off the back of all this men is trash like it hurt her and she was saying actually men are always the ones that have had my back and men experience you know a lot higher rates of abc and suicidality and etc etc and she was saying that you know women have disadvantaged me a lot more in my life than men have um, so in, in some ways she was kind of floating in, on an anti-feminist boat, say, and that kind of has stemmed from this whole men are trash and she took offence to that, which, you know, she's, she's justified to do so. And I saw her the other weekend and we were having a chat about it and I was saying to her that I understand her point of view but I very much disagree with it that men are way more disadvantaged the women I just will never believe that and she we were kind of going a little bit back and forth about it and I was saying you know just the other day when I went on a walk at night time I shared my location with Adrian and he didn't understand why I would have to share my location at night um walking in the dark because he would never have to do that and I was saying that in itself is is a reason why women can be disadvantaged and as we were having this conversation we were at a cafe and she a man kept walking past. Um, he was walking really close to the pram where Remy was in. So we pulled it closer. I took my phone out of it. 
and 40 minutes later we were leaving i walked to her, her car which is a lot further up than mine um and we saw him walk past again just he was just walking past and we just got a weird feeling and it was in the middle of the day and then i was like okay see i walked to my car and she was like actually we're gonna walk you to your car i don't feel right like just in case like i'm gonna come with you because this man's giving me the creeps and i was kind of saying to her well this is exactly my point that i was trying to make to you is that women don't have the borderline just basic level of safety that men can feel on a day-to-day -day basis and this is like the comparison it's not like we can't make it a tit for tat like there's going to be pros and cons and advantages and disadvantages in every aspect so then from this conversation i started kind of looking up a lot about um men's views on what's been coming up and stats around it and basically what i found is in every study that's been happening there's been a lot that have been coming out in the last year and all these studies about the changes um is that white men are the most upset about this um and have spoken up about the most about it and also there was a study say for example done with within like um men that have studied that work in stem um science whatever maths and um type roles and men that were either gay disabled or men of color could see that women in stem are disadvantaged but white men couldn't see that and that kind of theme came across a lot of studies where my white men wouldn't believe or couldn't understand or see the disadvantages to say women um or even other men of color and um disabilities and their sexuality so i thought that was interesting then i came across an article and it was based it was written for um those that have been doing like diversity changes so obviously another big impact is um i've been seeing a lot on say like reddit saying like my straight a my straight a's white child who's been getting straight a's and has all these co-curricular can't get into an ivy league college or can't get into a good university because he's competing against people of color women like all these things that he's now bumped to the bottom of the list even though he's straight a's and does extremely well academically so i thought that was interesting because i've been seeing that just crop up everywhere all of a sudden that people speaking out about this and then it was also noted like i said to you um it came up in white lotus on season one where the, the mom's like personality trait is feeling like her white son is going to be disadvantaged and i came across this um article and it was written designed to men white men about what are the advantages for your like workplace to become more diverse and basically all of the advantages that were written were i wrote it down somewhere but essentially it was like here we go you will get a personal legacy so ask yourself wouldn't you want your daughter wife niece or lgbt cousin to be in an environment where their perspective is valued two point out that their diverse talent or diverse talent is good for business and explain that clients want diverse perspectives or three use an analogy such as the curb cut effect like basically all this these articles are coming out on how can it be more appealing to you as a white man to have a more diverse workplace and things like that and my point is in me saying this is that i found that researching it I actually did find it hard to stay a little bit neutral on this on this topic and I would flip flop between the two places 
constantly being like, that's crazy to me. Like, why not educate them instead on why diversity is important or needed? But then on the other point, thinking, okay, actually, this is an interesting perspective that now men are much less likely to go to further education. My friend was telling me the other day that um, her friend works at a university and he's new, he's newly employed and he got the role and then found out that the role he applied for, there wasn't enough diversity inclusion in the applicants. So he had to go through the interview process three months later after already being employed a second time with more people of color and different backgrounds and diversity to get the job guaranteed so that it met the quota and things like that. So it's such a complex issue that I think that really it's important to not go one way or the other being like men have it easier, women have it harder or vice versa and diversity this, diversity that. I think it's important to just kind of look at the facts for what they are and think what is the broader issue. And I think it's really interesting that you brought up the biology and societal influence, whether one has more of an impact than the other or if it's equally. And I do think that it's equally impactful. And I think that with the studies that are coming out about the education gap, there's two frames of mind. There's one that's saying women or, or girls, sorry, mature faster than boys. Um, so they found that on average women, I've got to say girls hit puberty a year before boys do. So therefore their, you know, prefrontal, um, their brains are developing faster than boys and maybe they should start school a year later or boys should start school a year later instead and be ranked differently, all these things. And then there's another camp saying women develop faster because they have more responsibility on them. And then there's a third camp or they just, you know, they, they grow up with more responsibility. And then there's a third camp that says it's about, it, it all comes back down to masculinity um, and the perceived view of masculinity. So in this article, the Sydney Morning Herald one, it said that um, a peer-driven search for masculinity identity drives boys towards risk-taking and non-compliance with school demands that hampers school achievement relative to girls. Meanwhile, girls get to carry on reading books for pleasure and studying while being socially rewarded for it. That's only a problem for boys if masculinity means the rejection of all things associated with femininity, and that includes reading, working hard, and working hard at school, and communicating well. Um, it says that masculinity is only seems to be defined in negative terms, like rejecting this, you shouldn't be this, you shouldn't be that, you shouldn't be this. Um, and that in the absence of another model of masculinity, rejection of the feminine may all be that boys have to go on. Um, research is showing that being seen to put effort into academic work may not fit with the culturally prescribed representation of masculinity or what is considered cool. Which I thought was an interesting point. I kind of agree with that. But you're you're a man, so you tell me. <laughs> On that specific point about education, I totally agree with. Yeah. Any any, any culture that's saying yeah. you are a pussy for reading is a terrible culture. And whatever you want to call that culture, if you want to call it toxic masculinity, so be it. Then yeah. I'm totally in agreement with her. Uh, I don't do you think that that's an actual like. Do you think that's an a, a, could be a potential reason? Like, do you think that's prevalent that men or boys are rejecting? studying and things like that or i do think that's part of it i think it as yeah. you say it's extremely complicated uh i mm -hmm. certainly felt a bit of that culture when i was growing up and it's not right. nice and it is a it's 
quite a Western thing as well. I don't think you get that mm. culture in East and Southeast Asia. And it's also a modern thing. I don't think that culture, from what yeah. I've read and heard, that culture did not exist pre-World War II in the West. Mm -hmm. It is a very recent phenomenon and it's sort of exacerbated by uh, attitudes in film and TV where the the you know the nerd mm -hmm. is never the hero. And yeah. no, I'm not saying you 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 know you have to uh, remodel art to fit this perfect ideological paradigm. But I do not like that culture. A big part of everything I do is to fight against that culture and yeah. academia and um, having having discipline in your studies should not be seen as a feminine thing that is a very that is a very harmful culture among men and you know i draw comparisons to say the black community in america has this concept of acting white in that if you read books and speak eloquently you're acting white and you're actively uh trying to dis dissociate from the black community and that's just look there's a reason that culture and that's where the sociologists are correct in saying that culture came about because people who emulated those characteristics generally sought to bring back black people people down and there was a collective experience of oh everyone who seems to have those kind of characteristics is causing us harm and we're having a negative emotional association with that hence that culture evolved and there are some similar parallels to be drawn uh in western culture where you know often it's the elite class that uh, seems to be the you know the nerds or have characteristics that are associated with uh, academia and and just intelligence and eloquence and that seems to have a collective negative effect on certain other areas of society and as a result a culture could evolve rejecting those norms or behaviors and instead opting for something that could be described as the antithesis to that. Uh, but it's a mm. really terrible culture. And I do feel like that's changing, although you just don't know with social media because mm. uh, you're only exposed to things that are part of your algorithm. So I no doubt interact yeah. positively with uh, any anything that uh, elucidates the same sort of views that I just expressed. And as a result, I could get a very skewed perception of what the general culture is. Um, Touching on what you were talking about with education, the the book by Christina Hoff Summers was really interesting in that it, it wasn't arguing that feminism is the is causing the decline in a boys' mm -hmm. performance in education, but certain policies that were enacted to help girls in the classroom had a harmful effect on boys in some studies that she showed. And so it wasn't as though, oh, okay, it's this zero-sum yeah. game, but if, you know, you... I don't know if you want to go to segregated classrooms or something like that, but but if there's a different strategy employed in terms of disciplining boys and actually they found a harsher environment where, you know, they're not always shown uh, a, a more progressive sense of compassion and they're actually held to a certain standard and punished quite strictly if they misbehave, tended to work better for, for boys from lower socioeconomic areas. And that was actually quite surprising for the for the researcher. Again, I, I could be getting this wrong, but I just think that book was really interesting. Um, yeah. So it, it's not it's not as though there's been some kind of active uh, 
cabal of uh, you know f- feminists that are trying to bring men down. But some of the yeah. uh, consequences of policies that have helped women have have uh, ju- aren't necessarily con- okay. Educational policies that are conducive for uh, girls flourishing are not necessarily conducive for boys flourishing. We can say yeah, we can say that. Yeah. Um, Do you but, know what's interesting? Oh, sorry, you go. No, you you go on. Just on this is that's another thing that I've seen so many different. Even just today, this morning when I was reading about it, so many different um, research for and against it. Because while I've also seen things like what you say, like for example, with the HSC um, and the results that came out this year, a lot of it was um, people were saying was because that. The questions, HSC questions very much have, even the mathematical issues now have like a narrative around them rather than just a straight equation to figure out. And that women and girls do really well when there's a narrative attached to a question to figure out. So that is a reason why um, girls were outperforming boys in these aspects in, in terms of reading and writing and narrative. And that that could be a reason why. And that therefore it advantages women's brains or girls' brains more than it does for men. But then on the flip side, I saw another study that said in with year five students, um, girls that were considered smarter and outperforming like with in terms of intelligence than um, boys would often still do more poorly overall because the classroom, they were saying, were uh, designed to fit a boy's growing brain um, and that the difference in biology was that boys will look at a task if they think it's too complicated and say let's give it a crack and just kind of wing it um, and think I can do it and basically if they have an attitude that said I can do it then they can do it whereas girls that uh, were really high achievers if they looked at a task and thought this looks really hard, they would shut down and not even attempt it and therefore their grades would go down. So I don't know if it's, if, if it differs in terms of high school versus primary school, but the primary school study was saying that it was much more um, conducive to boys' learning environments. But then I'm seeing things about high schools saying that it's much more effective for girls and their learning, the way that they're framing questions and exams and things like that than it is for boys. So. It's an interesting side. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Funnily enough, a lot of these studies seemingly come to the conclusion that maybe segregating the genders might be better. Yeah. uh, Which is quite ironic, isn't it? But look, I I haven't done any major extensive studies just on the topic of education. Um, I'm basing it a lot on those those two books that I read in particular. Uh, But it's very complicated because a lot of it... Mm could be also just the proclivities of an individual person. And in a classroom of 30, the, the class cannot be tailored to bring the best out of every single one of those people because some are going to have uh, in, in, an environment or uh, a strategy that is better for them versus could be somewhat harmful for the other person. So you have to, some people have to bear a cost in, invariably. I mean, I remember when I was in primary school, they always sat me next to the, the, the naughty and the dumb kids and thinking, oh, look, Neil will uh, improve their performance and, and the exact oh, opposite wow. happened. And yeah. <laughs> so you, you, it, 
-hmm. in the classroom, if the, unless you're tailoring education to an individual child, it's it's always going to be, yeah, you, you know, it's it's some people are going to have to cop it, um, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, we want to we want to try to make it so that it's as e equitable and, and equal as possible for for the uh, broadest range of people to flourish. Um, mm. It's it's the education one is is very interesting and um, there'll be no doubt a lot of study into this over the next couple of years. Uh, the thing when you were talking about that with your with your friend, I found that really interesting because I'm seeing a lot of that pop up on social media as well, where there are women now who are very much advocates for men, but also have yeah. a anti-feminist tinge to yeah. what they're saying. It's not necessarily yeah. that they're just fervently against it, but they, uh, it, and it, I think it comes from a very, uh, compassionate place. They, they might've seen boys and yeah. men in their life who have suffered and have seen, Absolutely. uh, the way some, uh, women today act towards men and it's, it's, disrespectful to sit there and calling every man trash and things like that um but all of these ideolo these ideologies and these sorts of uh you know broad claims about society can can be interpreted very subjectively particularly when you just trickle down to the general population who haven't studied mm -hmm. at great length in this field you know yeah. you ask a a, a 19-year-old boy who has read a certain amount of information through certain sites about what they think feminism or, or Marxism or capitalism is, and they'll give you a very different answer to what uh, yeah. someone who has studied it at, at great length will say. But having said that, it, you know, there's a huge diversity of opinion even among feminists. I mean, there's feminists yeah. who are yeah. sex positive. There are feminists who... Are not there are obviously there's the the turf thing going on there's no one you know the ch championing yeah. women is the broad uh intention for the and here i am oh this is going to be mansplaining feminism or whatever but um <laughs> my broad point is that you know there's no it's it's it in itself is very diverse in opinion there's, and yeah there's feminists yeah, i agree true. with and there's feminists i don't agree with and to sit there and just when people are like oh Feminism, this well, you know, it's what are you talking about? But um, yeah. it's also something I've, I've been thinking about lately in this in this very uh, culturally liberal world where we seem to be uh, yearning for uh, meaning and and philosophies and what does it mean to be a man and and a woman and live in a harmonious society. People are adopting all sorts of different and new ideologies and tends to be, at least from my uh, perception, in the same way that I'm sure you know this phrase, people won't remember what you do, people won't necessarily remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. feel and yeah. that will ultimately define their opinion of you. I think mm -hmm. the same can be said about these kind of broad philosophies and ideologies. Mm -hmm. People won't necessarily remember what it says, they won't necessarily remember what it did, but it they will mm -hmm. remember and make a choice about its, uh, its, you know, its truth based on how it makes them feel. And that's not to discount, you know, studies, but studies are so particular and concentrated yeah. and 
everyone can find studies that suit their, I don't like the word narrative because it's not exactly a story per se, but it, that, that suit their ideology. And yeah. so there just has to be like a, quite a degree of humility um, among everyone talking about these issues and, and talking about anything that's like a broad concept about society and the world, if it's economics yeah. or whatever it might be. The thing about white men is, is like the studies, I a lot of this is might even be exacerbated by clickbait media. And, you know, what I read um, in that of, of boys and men is that men of color who are struggling economically are less likely to engage in as self-destructive behavior as white men. Now you can interpret that in many ways. You can say, well, that's because white men are traditionally highly advantaged and therefore they can't handle it. And so actually it just proves that they had power all along. Or you could uh, interpret in a way that says, well, no, there's clearly something culturally that is causing white men to be particularly despondent compared to men of color. Um, and a theory I have, I don't know how, <laughs> I can't attest to this in any way, but people uh, cling to their, you know, their collective identity, whether that's person of color, um, your sexuality, whatever it may be. I think people who, are, who, who, who make that a larger part of their identity are people who might not be as secure in their individual identity. So I don't see my, I do, obviously I'm a person of color, but I don't make, I don't perceive that as like a major part of who I am. There's certain mm -hmm. things I might experience. Sure. But I don't really, uh, I, 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 and I used to, and, and there was like a sort of switch that happened a couple of years ago where I actively tried to stop seeing myself as the person of color, you know, mm -hmm. separate from all these white men. So look, this is all very personal, uh, but I, I think white men, when you when the culture has constantly talked about how privileged they are, which yeah, historically, when we're talking about e economics and political power, on average, the the most white men were in the mines and in the wars and things like that. But yeah, the ones at the top all were that particular group. Now, if they're not doing particularly well, and however that might be in their, in their job or in their work or in their relationship, they've got nothing to lean on in a way where if I lost my job and if I was doing terribly, I could say, well, it's because of society and I'm a person of color, right? No, I don't think that's a healthy outlook, but you can't really lean on that if you're a, if you're a white man now because mm -hmm. society has said like, well, you're supposed to be the privileged ones and you still couldn't make it or you still couldn't reach a certain point in your life that can be considered success, well, I would guess that would create an even bigger form of individual despondency because there's no excuses in a way. It's like, oh, yeah, I really did fail. And yeah, that's a really interesting it's just yeah, yeah, it's just a theory. I Again, I'm just, yeah. I'm not, there's no material that I've, I've read <laughs> for that there. Um, yeah. I also found this as a very peculiar observation when the, there's this culture of like men, are, men are trash and yeah. you tell me if I'm, I'm correct here, but a lot of that is sort of men not being attentive to, to 
the experience of women to women's needs, but also just an accumulation of very basic childish behaviors and not being able to say commit in a relationship and being a fuck boy and not having a bed frame and all these things that are just like basic bastions of what many people would say being an adult is just getting your shit together and being responsible. And I'm sure, and I know it's a lot broader than just that, but I guess in the context of dating it, from my perspective, a lot of that seems seems to be a, a sort of collective experience a lot of younger women are having on on just how lackluster and disappointing men are. The the very interesting thing I find is that when you look onto the really far, you know, reclaim masculinity, Andrew Tate, red pill side of things, they also think modern men are trash. Now in a very different way, but they'll also say things like, oh men today just sit there watching porn and they get fat and they they have no ambition they have no discipline they have there's nothing good about them they're just overgrown children right now it's not exactly the same at all but there's a venn diagram there where like maybe both have this general sense of like well men are not reaching their potential and it feels like to me at least that in just the greater cultural environment in the zeitgeist on all sides of the equation, there is this sense of men are just not living up to what they can fully be and are not contributing to society in the way that we all know they're capable of. And now I'm not, that's not to say uh, that side that I was just talking about are correct or we should enact the ideas or policies that they uh, are in favor of, but. I, I just find it very interesting to observe a, just a general broad sense of men are just not as good as they could be, if we want to put it that way, as, as simply as, as possible. Um, and then I guess the last, oh, there was two other things I wanted to, the, 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 the point you made about, I guess, white men in, in STEM and things like that, I find that very interesting um in the arts i i think funnily enough this break of i took over the last three four months i reflected on a few things and a few topics i've wanted to explore in podcasts and i think a huge part of where i get my opinions and ideas about the world and society at larger really uh significantly impacted by the fact that I've been in the arts industry for so long and the arts industry is not an accurate reflection of society at large mm -hmm. and the arts industry is overwhelmingly left-wing and progressive and so mm -hmm. I have always felt like yeah it would genuinely be harder to be a white man in comedy because you don't have that kind of you don't have that identity that is uh easily uh you know you can sort of lean on to um make good jokes about but also when there are um, there are a lot of quotas in, say, comedy rooms now and there are just – when you take, say, like the general pool of a thousand comedians, most of them are white men. But then when there's a quota of like there can only be a certain percentage of white men in this particular room, well, in a, arguably you kind of have a disproportionate advantage if you're not a white man yeah. – uh, in the, in a similar way with some of those admissions into colleges, right? Yeah. When you have racial quotas, 
so you need a certain percentage of black students, Latino students. Well, that hurts Asians the most because Asians used to disproportionately uh, get entrance into the most elite universities in, in America. And now they, well, they don't because there's a limit to how many Asians can, it's not like there's a limit to how many Asians can be there, but because of the uh, minimum requirements for the other races, a lot of Asians who would have otherwise gotten in based on their general mark miss out. And what's funnily enough, what's happening is Asians then have to get a mark that is so much higher than every other race to even get in because they're just unfortunately have to bear the consequences of their culture being particularly uh, proficient when it comes to academic achievement. And so there are costs to just this general uh, idea that, you know, diversity always is going to be the fairest now. And, and, you know, there, the argument against that would be, well, there are structural factors at play where like a 90% from a white man and a 90% from a black man is not equal and the black man's had to work a lot harder it's not that I'm against that, but when you also add in the, oh, but then here's this Asian person who has to get 95. Well, that makes it more complicated. That makes it more complicated. So um, I just wanted to make that point about the the quotas and and diversity. And then the last thing I wanted to say uh, was it's really uh, nice actually to see a lot of women talking about these sorts of issues because – even three, four years ago when I started getting interested in this sort of topic, it was just the the, the thought of even what you just said in that last um, section would have been unheard of. You know, the, for, for you would have just been the ultimate pick me. It would have been like uh, just totally irredeemable and just cast aside as a complete idiot. So this is really nice to see this on social media and just a- anywhere. Um, so... I just want to make that that point. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those things that the diversity thing gets me because you think all oh, the answer is then give everyone equal access to whatever it is, un- university and go by merit and things like that. But then when other research shows things that contradict it, like when I was researching this morning, as particularly in America, it was saying that for um, something like they spent they sent five thousand men. For jobs and um, or applications out, and they had some with very black names and some with white names, and there was like thirty percent of uh, less black people with with identified black names would get call-ins for interviews, despite having the exact same um, qualification and experience. And then they found that the same thing also happened for access to housing, um, where even though they had the same level of references and um, previous living in rental properties, if you had a black name, you were significantly more likely to not be called back in or been given a property. So then you understand why these diversity things have to be put into place, but then yet another group may become disadvantaged, like the, uh, the Asian community that you were talking about, which that's a good point. And I think the thing against white men it is it is the easiest group to now look to disadvantage because they have had and still do at this point the most privilege. So if you want to take away from one community, it would be that one. So then people kind of lean towards that. And this is how this whole 
everything sways constantly and it's really, really difficult. And I think a lot of it comes down to, like you said, your own personal perspective and bias. And that point you made about even feminism's like feminists um, can contradict each other. Like a really good example and a really very simple, simple example is, you know, how feminists say, you know, I don't need a man to pay for my dinner. I'll pay for my own. But then yet other feminists say, well, men already have such advantages. Why would you give men yet another advantage when they have higher incomes, this, that, whatever, and to give them the ease of paying for our dinner when we have to do all the physical labor at home and, and caring the children? No, that's anti-feminist to give them money for dinner as well. So even that contradicts one another. And I forgot to mention this as well, um, what was interesting about when I had my friend that made that Instagram thing that was very for men and it was very much based. And I said this, this is just your personal like experience. That's not actually feminism or rights or gender equality. That's just your kind of view. But I thought it was a little bit harmful because it was anti-feminist. But then she made an interesting point to me that she actually came from a third world country uh, when she was 21 to Australia. And she's like, the amount of privilege that women have here in Australia is astounding. So she has her own bias being like, she's come into now living in Australia. She has so much privilege compared to women in her home country that she feels like that men are more disadvantaged here. Um, and that's her view. Whereas me being born into privilege, being a white female in growing up in upper-class Sydney, I, I don't, I view it completely differently thinking women are way more disadvantaged. You know, there's all these stats and research that are constantly kind of pulling you in each direction that, and we are going to align to things that align to our own narrative as well, which is the, the tough part. It's, there's never going to be a neutral response to anything. Like you said, that any kind of research is always going to point in one direction. It's going to be very, very hard to find something completely neutral. Yeah. Yeah. We, we tend to just, uh, mm -hmm. There's, funnily enough, I'm using a study to back this up, but we have our preconceived ideas and whatever we our view of the world is, and then we seem to just more likely than not subconsciously find evidence that suits that view of the world. And it's very difficult mm -hmm. to actually genuinely respond neutrally to contradictory uh, evidence and the thing with studies are they they can be very uh you know you can have a sample of 100 people and particularly and you know i'm not trying to uh put into question the overall you know yeah um bastion of scientific inquiry here but look there's you can very easily skew something to to suit a certain narrative um i mean in yeah. the, in in social psychology which is sort of a lot of what we're touching on what is it like none of the 10 to 15% of the experiments are uh, able to be replicated or something like that. Once mm -hmm. they did it once and then they try to do it again 20 years later and they just do not come to the same conclusion. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, in, in, in effect that that could be a, um, a call to say that uh, ideological and, and political diversity is uh, is really important. Although mm -hmm. the way we are now as a society, that can no doubt cause a lot of conflict. So yeah. Uh, yeah. it's 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 a very complicated kind of time that we're in, where we just don't really know what um, what the right way forward is. And there's 
there's there's evidence that that shows it's this way evidence that shows it's yeah. another way yeah. and at the same time it you could argue it's a it's an exciting time there's uh opportunity for people to come up with new ideas and um directions mm. which we could go in as the west or as just developed countries that now have a large uh cosmopolitan population that are generally quite educated and are not religious um where do we go from here that's that that's the big question of the next couple of decades probably um but yeah. i would uh yeah I, I think i've covered most of what i wanted to sort of say on this on on that um I did do that video. What is it? The masculinity of tomorrow. I think the first part of that video is touching on what we're talking about in this um, in this podcast. The second part is more about how I think male behavior might change in the in the coming decades. And I go a bit rogue there. Even mm. I'll admit, like I um, <laughs> talk about how in the animal kingdom uh, species where there's more female mate choice, i.e., there's you know it's not a bunch of aggressive alpha males competing to mate with as many women as possible but say with most birds it's uh the the women ultimately the females of the species ultimately mm -hmm. choose who they mate with which is what society is moving towards compared to definitely mm -hmm. what it was even just 40 50 just pre 1960s in the west uh the 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 males of that species actually tend to become more uh performative and and they actually tend to evolve more sort of colored patterns and oh, it's not wow. like they become yeah. feminized but they are yeah. uh, birds are the perfect example they compete not by um by physical competition but by singing and by uh, yeah. it's it's the that yeah so that book was called evolution of beauty and that was yeah. a um really interesting book now obviously we're mm -hmm still animals but uh where yeah. we also have a very complex uh society and sort of buttressing our um biological behavior here uh it, it also i think the i guess the andrew tate phenomenon at first there was a big shock from uh well from most women from what i'm seeing on social media but then it did yeah. lead to a bit of exploration of like why are so many because these are these are boys that are sometimes 12, 13 and, and, you know, it's not, they would have, they wouldn't have grown up in as uh lopsided and masculine a society as say the, even the, the fifties or even the eighties, right? These are, these are boys who would have been born in what, 2009, 2008. Mm -hmm. And then they're, um, they're finding, uh, a lot of purpose in what can be described as a very traditional, mm. uh, mili almost militaristic form of masculinity. And mm. there was a great post by this, there's this, uh, psych I follow on Instagram, Sirit K. Jola, and she did a big, uh, Instagram post about how we need to look further beyond just how deplorable someone like Andrew Tate is and look at why so many young boys uh, are finding meaning in that. And then some of the arguments were, you know, when the options are either like you're, you know, you're trash and you're privileged and your group is responsible for all the ills on, on the earth versus, Hey, you can, um, be rich and have three girlfriends and drive Bugattis and, mm. you know, live this kind What's of more appealing rock star yeah. life. Like, especially when you're yeah. 13, like I look, yeah. I would have 
gravitated yeah. towards that. Of, of course I would have. So, um, that's a good point. Yeah. We do still have to, you know, make our ways of living and, 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 um, ethical modes of being appealing and in a way market them in a very, uh, chaotic marketing environment right now, which is social media. So yeah, it really does yeah. almost come back down to that model of masculinity. And that's what I liked about that one article, even though there was heaps I didn't like about it, the Sydney Morning Herald wrote, where it said that so much of masculinity is based off just the, the sheer rejection of things. Rather than saying like the positivity of it, it's always like reject this, reject women, the feminism movement, reject this, reject learning in this way, like what's cool. And it's, it's all based on negative, um, whereas there needs to be a more appropriate, positive model of masculinity for boys to aspire to and look forward to, kind of like what you promote so much in our podcast, like being the best version of yourself, getting out, exercising, studying, learning, bettering yourself um, is a more appropriate version of masculinity rather than hating on certain other groups or, reje or rejecting certain methods or ways of living which is kind of like an ironic twist with what you were saying about the Andrew Tate thing that people are drawn to that because that's what they've experienced and and have been subjected to themselves. So, I don't know, it's all very twisted. <laughs> yeah, and I think I don't I don't my experience hasn't been that masculinity has been overwhelmingly negative. I wonder if that's, you know, she operates in certain circles where they're often mm -hmm. talking about toxic masculinity whereas that's something that comes a, a, about on social media, but for a lot of men, I don't think we're sort of exposed. I don't think that's something we we, we you know we try I try to avoid it when it's if it's if it's too sanctimonious and patronizing and it's in a way that looks like it's trying to put men down. But um, there is a lot of positive, you know, what could be called masculinity out there. But I think these are just positive attributes for both sexes, uh, just being disciplined and, you know, reaching your potential uh, through just uh, daily laborious habits that you, you have to do. I mean, like mm -hmm. you said in the last podcast, how much of being a new parent is just repetitive, boring mm -hmm. tasks, but the person who does those repetitive, boring tasks well brings up an uh, uh, an intelligent, well-rounded, yeah. kind yeah. human being. And so the reward is just so delayed. Yeah. You see that reward yeah. when he's exactly. 25 and is an amazing yeah. adult. But um, mm. that that it's that concept, but just for, I don't, I don't think exactly. even that's exclusive for men. I think that's yeah. just good for everyone. Yeah. I mean, even something like working out. I honestly... So many more women now go to the gym consistently than the men. Again, is I, I am in the arts, and hardly any men go to the gym in the arts. Uh, but uh, how many girls are you know deadlifting, posting booty yeah. pics, and pro honestly, probably deadlift more than half the the men their age. So a lot of these things aren't just um, that. I think they're just good characteristics. Yeah. Uh, uh, full stop for for both genders and uh, the. Yeah there's always these pendulum swings. So when you have a culture that says, you know, you're perfect just the way you are and you're no matter, you know, what you want to do and what you want to be, that's, that's fine. And no one should ever tell you who you are. Now, a lot of that was a response to, uh, you know, sexuality and, and people mm -hmm. who might've been gay or, or lesbian who, who felt like they couldn't be that. But when it comes to just like basic behavioral 
uh, patterns. Well, you might not, you know, if you, you could, you could be, yeah, you could, you could be experiencing a tough time with your mental health and need some self-care and compassion, or you could just be lazy and you need, yeah. you know, you need that yeah. voice that's also saying, well, maybe you're not that good. You know, it's not that you're bad the way you are, but you could be better. And yeah. uh, you, you need those. In theory, that's the masculine and the feminine or whatever you want to. Like these words are so broad. Anything can be yeah. masculine. Yeah. Anything can be feminine. It's just what people yeah. think of it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I yeah. you know, it's important to um, provide a positive message rather than just, resent the other side and and put them yeah. down and look i struggle with that sometimes for both genders or for all genders that's important <laughs> yeah for any any yeah. kind of um creed um yeah. because if you're too negative if your group is too negative if your philosophy is too negative a lot of people aren't drawn to that and and ironically yeah. the people who would be drawn to it are people who probably exist in a very okay. negative energy and that's yeah. ultimately yeah. not something you want it can you can create a very militant force in society but uh, you you wouldn't appeal to the to the mainstream, but uh, I think I think that's all. I could probably go on um, on this topic for hours, but that's yeah. probably all all I want to say. <laughs> we just scratch on the that surface, right now. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure we, we can do a part two, three, four, five, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to to add on this uh on this subject? No, I think we nailed it. The only thing I wanted to clarify because I feel like I have to speak to this is when we were talking about. Um, the men is trash movement being based off like, you know, kind of dating and like icky bedrooms and getting the ick and stuff like that. I think that that is the way that it's definitely going and trending, but it started from, you know, abuse to women and, and, and harassment and things like that. So it just, it's one of those uh, movements that have evolved over time into a more harmful way than what, not that it was ever going to be a positive movement to call it men are trash, <laughs> But um, it started from fighting for women to then, you know, nitpicking, like he's if he's got blue bed sheets and one single pillow, dump him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, for sure, that's a very yeah valid point. In fact, that could be a very good topic to do. Um, the evolution of movements, or you know, what what yeah. when a movement yeah. becomes something it's not intended yeah. to be. Um, yeah, true that. All right, well. Uh, that was a, oh, that one, that felt like a really good podcast. Uh, I hope you guys liked it, listening to that. Um, comedyuntamed.com, come see a comedy show. Much more lighter note if you're in uh, Sydney or Melbourne every single Thursday. And um, I'm not at all the shows anymore, but I can tell you all the comedians that are there are hilarious. Um, we're, we're also once a month in, in Newcastle, so come along to that. Comedyuntamed.com, go follow Eliza on Instagram, Eliza Joy Wilson. I'm Neil Kalhacker on Instagram, if you don't follow me already. Um, and thank you for listening. See you next week. See you next week.